welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Like most of you know, this past Friday, January 13th, our friend and brother Darnell Calhoun was rushed to the hospital, and there our Lord and Savior took him from us for now. Before we start our service, I want you to know most of the service was planned before we knew why God was planning it. And I want you to walk away from this service knowing God knew this situation, God sees us in our hurt, and he wants us to worship him through our weeping. And so as I pray, Marcelo's going to come up to do the call to worship for us. And I'm going to pray for the service as we get started. Heavenly Father, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. We don't know why you do what you do. But I ask that you would, through this service that you've prepared for us, Let it be ointment to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. Let us see that you knew this situation. Let us feel that you are with us because you are. Please give us strength to worship you through crying. Give our eyes no rest as we cry out to you. Let us not give up in our prayers to you. Let us not grow weary as we sing to you. And please, as the preaching of the word and as we take the sacrament of the Lord's Supper today, let it be healing to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. Please, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us and be with us this morning. We need you. Pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. In the name of of our Lord Jesus. We knew Darnell and the Calhouns from a long time ago. We invited Darnell and, well, at that time he didn't know Vanessa. If he did, he kept her secret. But uh, we invited him to church and we were hoping he would stick here because I told my wife we would be so enriched by him. And, uh, we knew Darnell since he was probably eight years old. We really clung to he and his family when he turned nine. We were very good friends. Our kids grew up in the same homeschool circles together. They were part of the same bowling league together. We were just dear, dear friends. And uh, we watched Darnell grow up from being a little boy to a young man graduate from middle school, graduate from high school, fall in love, get married, and become a daddy of two beautiful little boys and one on the way still. And um, I wanted to bring this up because uh, it was a gift of Darnell to my son, Josiah, with whom he was the closest. For those of you who don't know, this is a football. And it's not an odd-shaped pill. But Darnell loved football. 
fact, it's one of the things that I adored about the boy because he loved football like I love football. I have uh, three sons, one daughter. My boys like football, but they don't like football, love football like me and Darnell love football, or my daughter, Rebecca. In fact, I would often chide Darnell that he and my daughter were my favorite sons. <laughs> um, but uh, he was dear to our hearts. And this football, the reason I brought it up is that on his wedding day, he gave a keepsake to all the groomsmen, and my son Josiah was in the wedding party. And uh, this message is so like Darnell, always giving him himself away. And it reads like this, from Darnell to Josiah. I thought God sent me another friend all those years ago. Now I know that he actually sent me another brother. Yes, I think that's about the depth of my wisdom right now. He sent me another brother. Thanks for always being there for me, and I can't imagine this day without you here. Brothers, until the end, love you, man. And uh, that was our Darnell, and now here we are worshiping the Lord, brokenhearted. But, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to worship brokenhearted. In fact, worship when things are going perfectly smoothly and you've got a great job, your family's in a good place, you know, your finances are in shape or whatever. Yes, praise and worship God at any time, at all times. It's always right. But we can worship the Lord when we're absolutely crushed in spirit. In fact, I would recommend it first and foremost. Because there we can know that he is our father, our shepherd, our God, our provider, our sustainer, our comforter. And as I was thinking about just suffering and worship, since this is a call to worship, I went back to Job chapter 1. My thoughts turned there very quickly, and apparently the Holy Spirit has been doing this all over the place among our people this week. But here's Job, a great man. In fact, uh, of all the men in the East, verse 3 tells us that he was the greatest of all the men in the East. In the civilized world, there was no one like Job. He was top dog. Rich, powerful, influential, integrous. And then he is labeled in chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 2, verse 3. This is God's labeling of him as the greatest man in all the earth. There is no one like him on the earth. When God looked at Job, he thought, he's top dog in all the earth, not just the east. And as you know, this man, this dear man, dear Job, suffered one cataclysmic loss after another all at once. It came in one big bunch. He lost his servants who were like family to him. He lost all his, his workmen. He lost all his cattle, all his assets, all his wealth. And then he lost his 10 children all in one day, 10 children. And then in chapter two, he loses his health by God's sovereign orchestration. And what did Job do when he lost everything and his heart was absolutely shattered? 
This is what he said, and this is what he did. Job chapter 1, 20 and 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. It's a sign of mourning. And he fell to the ground. And what? I worshipped. It's okay to worship with a broken heart. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Let's worship together. Our Heavenly Father, as has been said already, we trust you in our pain, Lord. And we thank you for blessing us, for gracing us with Darnell and Vanessa and little Russell and little Troy and this new one developing in the womb. Lord, we thank you for their family. We pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen us to worship today. And we pray that you would bless the Calhouns, Lord, with your peace and your blessings, Lord that you would just guard their hearts and bring them along. I pray that they would have a supernatural peace that they cannot explain because it's in Jesus Christ. Comfort us as well and receive our worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. 
While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people. And they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Dan. You guys can be seated. Let's pray. Father, as Josh reminded us, um, you are near to the brokenhearted, and you save the crushed in spirit, and um, we need you to come this morning. Lord, we need you to give the comfort only you can give, and uh, 
And we ask that you would. Through the past couple of days, I know many of us have gone back and forth, but we felt that comfort. And uh, we pray that you would do it today. That you would show us Christ. That you would show us the future we have in him. You show us that you are better than anything we could lose. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, I was planning on a series in the Old Testament. What we're going to do is just go through different books of the Bible and like at one Sunday at a time. So we're going to do like the message of Daniel or the message of Jonah or different passages like that. And in God's providence, I had already planned to do Job. And uh, about five hours before we got the call that he had been shot, I finished up this message. And uh, I do believe God has something for us here. And... Um, yeah, I think the Lord was preparing us in a bunch of ways for this, even though it was complete shock, complete uh, devastation that our brother Darnell was killed on, on Friday. Uh, I believe the Lord had something for us already. I mean, even just in the service, the thing about God's providence, the fact that Marcella was already set to do call to worship, the Lord's in it. The Lord meets us where we're at in the book of Job. Um, I just want to show you just a few things that are in this passage. Um, obviously, I'm not doing everything that I had had planned. I know that I'm going to speak a lot slower, so we're going to do a lot less. But I just wanted to take some of the things that ministered to me out of it. And um, the Lord meets us where we're at in our suffering in the book of Job. Um, the book of Job shows us how senseless suffering feels. Job would have found it to be to feel senseless and meaningless. In chapter 1, he gets wave after wave of devastating news. You know, somebody brings some bad news to him, and then it says, while that person was still speaking, another person came in with more. And in um, the last messenger coming in, it said, all of his kids are dead. And uh, it all seems so senseless and so meaningless. And I know that's the first thought we have with Darnell, with his death on Friday, the murder of Darnell Calhoun, is um, that it it seems so senseless. You're like, what, what purpose could this possibly serve? One of the things we see with Job here is that he knew his suffering was not senseless, and it wasn't meaningless. Look at Job one uh, twenty. It says, Then Job arose and tore his robes and shaved his head, and he fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The whole book of Job, guys, assumes that, that Job's sufferings were ordained by God. Whether you want to say ordained or allowed, the book of Job and the rest of scriptures is very clear that God is in control of our suffering. But it's also very clear that he is infinitely good and infinitely wise in everything that he brings. But knowing that, does not take away our tears, does it? You know, it's helpful, but it doesn't take away our tears. Um, it didn't take away Job's weeping either. You look at verse 20, it says that Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground. Like, it didn't stop his tears. And uh, this weekend is the first time I understood, I think, this tearing your clothes thing. I've been so agitated. You know, you pull at your hair, you kind of just feel constantly agitated. It makes sense. You know, understanding God's sovereignty does not stop our tears. God calls us to worship him, guys, in our weeping, not instead of our weeping. We tend to be a very upbeat, 
culture. Church culture tends to be real upbeat. We have this sense that we need to like worship instead of our weeping. God calls us to worship in our weeping. Look at Job. Look at the Psalms. Questioning and crying out to God are modeled throughout Scripture. Many of the songs of worship in the Psalms are laments. We need to hear this. You need to feel no pressure to restrain your tears. You feel no pressure to get over it. There's nothing Christian or even human about restraining your tears. We're a church family where we can worship even when we're weeping, as we did already. You can have your hands up and your heart low, and we can worship through our weeping. Um, as Paul said, we, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we do grieve. We grieve as those who have hope. And um, we're going to continue to grieve. This is not going to be over anytime soon. I think the book of Job also helps us, for those of you guys who are here and you know, you didn't know Darnell, don't know Vanessa very well. There's some things in the book of Job that would help you to know how to help others in this time. Some of Darnell and Vanessa's closest friends are in this room. That's why they're here. <laughs> That's why they're in this church. Their closest friends are in this room. And, uh, you know, as Christina was praying last night, like, we had a part of our body cut off. And it's going to take a long, long time. But we're going to get it through it together. And chapter 2 shows Job's three friends, and they come to comfort him. And they're a huge gift, guys. I know those of you who read the rest of the book know that they were terrible later. <laughs> but these guys were such a gift. I mean, they, they made arrangements. They came for seven days. They came from all different countries, it looks like. And they sat with Job, and they identified with him in his grief. And they waited for him to speak first. And they provide a model to you guys who are not in this right now in the same way others are. We're all sufferers, guys. We're all Job. We're all either Job before the storm, in the storm, or after the storm. And those of you guys who are Job before the storm, you guys are in a good place to, to be there and offer this. Those of you who are in the storm, you're showing us to treasure Christ above everything, because that's what this was about in Job, was will Job treasure God above everything? And those of you in the storm right now are showing us that you do. You do treasure God above everything. Vanessa's showing us that right now. And then those of you guys heard Job after the storm, you know what it's like. <laughs> and he could be there. We call this the, the ministry of presence. <laughs> you can minister by being present. And sufferers do not need easy answers. They, they need your presence. They need your love. They need your prayer. And you guys are so good about that. You know, we had a um, time yesterday where a bunch of us got together to, to pray and to weep. And it was incredibly helpful. <laughs> incredibly helpful. Um, but that's what people need. They need to know they're not alone. So we're just going to be here for each other. And you guys are so great at doing that. Because suffering can feel isolating. It felt isolating to Job. Later in the book, he talks about how everybody's, you know, lost to him. Everybody's gone. And they weren't, but he felt that way. But Job's friends sat with him in silence for seven days. And they really should have stopped there because they said a lot of really hurtful things later. And the reason why they said hurtful things, and I think this is our temptation, 
is they wanted to explain away Job's suffering. Because suffering makes us super uncomfortable. And so we got to come up with some sort of reason, some sort of purpose. We've got to explain it away. We've got to see that person grieving and fix it. And you don't, and you shouldn't. You just be with them. As Christians, we know the big picture of why suffering exists. It exists because humanity has rebelled against God in just an insanely suicidal way. We've turned our back on the only source of life and joy. And because we've done that, the world has been plunged into chaos. And we know how it's going to be removed. It's going to be removed through the return of Christ. So we know the big picture of suffering, but we do not know why particular suffering happens. And for a book on suffering, the book of Job doesn't end the way you think. Maybe you guys have been disappointed. You think, well, I'll read Job, and then I'll understand suffering. And it doesn't at the end, like, end with a tidy answer you know, well, that's why he suffered, and now we can all feel better. It doesn't. God doesn't tell Job why he allowed this tragedy. God had great and good and wise purposes in it. The readers know some of what's going on because they hear some of the background story, but Job doesn't know anything about why it happened. Doesn't end with a tidy answer. In fact, in later in the later chapters of Job, God shows Job nature and kind of talks about all these grand things about nature and what he's trying to show him is you don't even understand how the physical world works and we still don't by the way as much as we think we do you don't even understand how the physical world works how could you possibly understand why god does what he does and what he's ordained and at the end of the book of job job doesn't see why he suffered but he does see god if you job 38 1 it says then the lord answered job out of the whirlwind the Lord showed Job his majesty. Do <laughs> you remember what Job said? He said, he said this, and this is coming from a guy who knew the Lord, right? He said, I had heard of you with the hearing of my ear, but now I have seen you. And that's what suffering does. There's a way in which we know God far deeper in suffering than any other way. And Job doesn't see the reasons for his suffering, but he does see God, and that's enough. And that's what we're praying for, for Vanessa and her kids and his parents and you guys who are grieving immensely here. That we're going to see God and he'll be enough. And, and one of the amazing things, guys, is the God that we see when we suffer is a suffering God. Our God is a suffering God. This is unique. There's no other religion that has this. But Job points to the true righteous sufferer you remember it earlier in the reading there that God said of Job that he's the most righteous man on earth. And he pointed to the true righteous sufferer, Jesus Christ, the ultimate Job. And we have an advantage that Job didn't have because we know that God joins us in our suffering, that our God has suffered. Our God is not immune to suffering. And there's other religions where God sits on a throne, throws down suffering, and has never experienced it himself, and that's not the God we have. Isaiah 53 says that our God, Jesus, is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And this helps me a ton. Um, John Stott said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In this real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? Our God's not immune to suffering. He's with us in this. And guys, Jesus is the only 
satisfying answer to suffering. Jesus in his own person is the answer. We don't get an answer for our suffering. We get the answer. We get Jesus. And he's a God who has suffered not just with us, but for us, right? God has come as Jesus Christ, die on the cross, to suffer and pay for the debt of our sin, to give us everlasting happiness. Which is why when we, and Josh alluded to this, which is why when we ask why with something like this, with Darnell, just suddenly gone. And we ask why would this happen? We, we know what the answer isn't. The answer isn't that God doesn't care. Our God cares. He cares enough to come die on the cross for our sins to give us everlasting happiness. And so one thing we can know in this is that it isn't that God doesn't care, and it isn't that he isn't good. God is good all the time. Friday night, our brother and friend Darnell, he entered everlasting happiness. (laughs) People keep reminding me of this. (laughs) I think it's important. (laughs) It's not where I go first, but he's entered everlasting happiness. And guys, we can be absolutely confident that's the case for Darnell Calhoun. And some of you guys who don't know him and all that, so you don't know, there's a lot of, like, when people die, we kind of all talk about them that way. But Darnell absolutely knew the Lord. Absolutely put his full confidence in Jesus Christ for his salvation. Darnell has not entered everlasting happiness because of the amazing guy he is, and he is, but he's a sinner. We didn't often see it, but he's a sinner. He needed Jesus, and we know that he is in the presence of God because by faith he is in Christ with all of Christ's perfections, and he's been welcomed home, and we can be absolutely confident of that. And he's with God who is happiness. It isn't that God is giving him happiness. God is giving him himself, and God is happiness. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Friday night, Darnell saw for the first time Think about this, the face of Jesus Christ. Darnell loves Jesus so much. Now he sees and knows him with his whole being. Um, We were there with the Nunezes and with the Jacksons when they took Darnell's body out of the hospital and draped an American flag and everybody's lined up and... uh, a friend of the family was reading Ecclesiastes 3 and Psalm 23. And they took his body to the hearse. And uh, we saw as all like the police cars. You guys probably saw on the news. Just It's unbelievable what they do. Like hundreds of police cars and motorcycles, all with their lights on. It was nighttime. And, uh, and then you look up and there's like f- at least five police helicopters also going... I mean, they really know how to honor him, you know? The procession was amazing. But the procession on the other side, guys, the one that Darnell saw when he was received into heaven was better. We didn't get to see the one he saw as he was welcomed home, son of God. And there's more coming for Darnell and for us because Jesus doesn't just give us consolation, he gives us restoration. He gives us everything back. 
Darnell right now is receiving consolation. He's in the presence of Jesus. But soon we'll all receive restoration, which means that he restores everything. Guys, Darnell will rise again. He will rise again. Job knew about this. Job 19.25, this is what Job says. And Darnell believed this. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. What's he talking about there? He's talking about being raised from the dead, fully physically restored. Yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him and not another. My heart faints within me. Guys, Darnall will rise again. His body will be resurrected. We're going to see his smile again. I mean, I have such a clear imprint of his face, you know? We'll see his smile again. We're going to hear his laugh again. <laughs> Very potent laugh. We're going to hug him again. He gives vigorous hugs. And Vanessa and the kids are going to hug him again. Not just some spiritual reunion. We're going to be raised from the dead, and we're going to have him back by resurrection. In the end, everyone who is in Christ, we're going to have received back. Job hints at this in 42. Look at 42.10. It says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And what's interesting is you look through what he was restored. All of his livestock's doubled. Everything's doubled. And then in verse 13 it says, And he also had seven sons and three daughters. And that's what he had in the beginning. And so you're like, okay, he had his fortunes doubled. But his kids weren't doubled. Why weren't his kids doubled? And the reason is he still had his kids. And he's going to get them all back in the resurrection. His kids were doubled. We're going to get Darnell back in the resurrection. Guys, only in Jesus can you know for sure that all your suffering is going to be turned to good. Our culture says silly things like everything happens for a reason. And they have no basis for that. If they live in a godless world, then they live in the meanest world, and there is no hope of that. But guys, in Jesus Christ, we know that all of our suffering will be turned for good. We don't know how, but it'll happen. C.S. Lewis said this, They say of some temporal suffering, maybe you're saying this now, They say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss could make up for this. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even this agony into glory. The resurrection is about total physical earthly restoration. Guys, in the end, we will lose nothing to death. Like Job, will get it all back. Everything sad will come untrue. And there's something about the suffering that we go through that's going to make it better than you can just possibly imagine. God will reward our suffering. In 2 Corinthians, it says, so we do not lose heart. That's helpful, right? That's like determination, right? <laughs> because we feel like we're losing heart. So we do not lose heart, right? Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us, listen to this, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
What this passage tells us is that God will ensure that the benefits from Darnell's death and all this suffering will reverberate for millions of years in the world to come. As we've all been praying for like in this life, like the effects this might have. Some people might come to know the Lord through this. You know, Jesus will be glorified through this. His people will be strengthened through this. And all those things are true, and yet, in addition to that, the benefits of this are going to reverberate forever in the world to come. He promises us that. Guys, we're all Job in the storm right now. We need to, like him, hold on to the Lord. We need to hold on to each other. And we need to know that this will be worth it somehow. It'll only be a little bit longer and we'll see. Let's pray. Father, we pray your blessing right now upon Vanessa. As she's at home with her mom. Last night she texted, this is all just so unimaginable. And it is. Also unimaginable. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless her. We pray, Lord, that your promise would ring true in her life, that you are near to the brokenhearted and saved in the crushing spirit. And we pray, Lord, for a supernatural peace to come upon her that just makes no sense. It's a peace your spirit gives as she gets just a super clear vision of your son Jesus and of your fatherly care and of the spirit's care. And we pray, Lord, that our church will continue to be a, um, a picture of that care. Give us wisdom, Lord, in how to come alongside her knowing what to do. We don't want to overwhelm her, but we want to make sure that she gets every drop of care that she wants. So we pray, Lord, give us wisdom. We pray for Russell and for Troy as they, at two and four, probably have a very hard time even understanding what this means. We pray, Lord, for them that they would Rest in your fatherly care. We pray for this baby that's coming in March. We pray, Lord, that you would protect her pregnancy, that the, the trials and the strains and the anguish of this would not have any detrimental effect on this little baby. And uh, we pray for him, that you would be a father to him as well. Lord, we thank you for those kids. I was reminded yesterday that often we think about this tragedy and then it seems like more of a tragedy because there's kids. But Lord, they're a blessing from you. We just thank you that Vanessa has the comfort of these kids. And this baby coming. We just pray that they would be a, just a massive comfort to her as well. We pray for Darnell's 
family, to see his parents grieving the moment they heard. I just pray, Lord, you minister to them and the little brother, his sister, all this family, Lord, we just pray that you would comfort them right now, that you would give them a sense of your presence and peace and feel your nearness. We pray for the other officers that are out there. We're just struck again by their by their selflessness. <laughs> There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends, and we thank you for their willingness to lay down their lives for our community. We pray, Lord, for the memorial services and all the other things that are coming. We just pray, Lord, that you would be just clearly glorified in it. That people would see why Darnell is such a wonderful person. And it's because of your spirit. It's because of your son, Jesus. It's because of you, his father. We just pray that wouldn't be missed. And we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that that prayer is absolutely going to get answered. We don't know when, but we ask that it would be very soon. Come, Jesus, and reign over us. Banish all evil. Make all things new. Wipe away our tears. Bring our brother back to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covgraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.